0: specific example that's creation yeah is there based on like what we're hearing from this if someone uh proposes that there's guided evolution and god guides that evolution that's part of his Mm -hmm. versus strict constructional constructionist idea of creation Mm -hmm. both teach a god of intentionality a Mm -hmm. good god yeah you know yeah. Could you coexist, so to speak, with that uh, person holding the guided evolution principle because yeah. it still teaches the same thing about God?
1: But the Bible says, you know, this. Type thing. Okay, so there's so there's our, our thing, and what you the, in your question we see there. So someone's teaching something about God, um, or they're speaking in an area where Scripture also speaks. So what we're talking about now is how do we handle General revelation, that's a box, and special revelation, that's a box. And if there are conflicting views between what we gather from general revelation and special revelation, which box wins? Special, special revelation. And so whenever we gain something from general revelation, we're always, if scripture speaks to that thing, like creation, if scripture th- speaks that thing, we take this idea from general revelation and we run it through scripture, and so one of the one of the issues with um, uh, a, a guided evolution kind of thing is that scripture declares Adam the first man, and it declares that Adam named the creatures, and uh, gives no indication that these creatures are, are um, different, at least substantially different than than what Noah brought onto the ark um, five chapters later or, or four chapters later yeah four chapters later two to six um, and uh, also that um, uh, God pins us as being in Adam until we believe in Jesus uh, meaning there was not some pre-Adam or that kind of thing Um so so that of Scripture would say, mm, no. Um Adam's the first man, and Scripture in fact calls him that, the first man. Um First Corinthians fifteen. Um the first man, Romans five. Um either both or one of those. They're both dealing with Adam, call him the first man specifically. Um and say that we're all all men are in Adam. Um uh, and uh, presents to us that, uh, God creates Adam, um, uh, out of, out of the dust of the earth and speaks, speaks to him. Um, I was going to say some, uh, some other things would, um, uh, uh, speak, speak to that as well from, from the rest of, uh, scripture, um, in, in terms of like guided evolution, um, the appropriate question is why could God not get it right, oh, right. and and, I, I, so, I, I, and so from our, our larger theology from Scripture we say um, uh, uh, Psalm 139 uh, 16 uh, all your or 16 or 15 all your works are wonderful I know this full well um, and so, what God creates is is good, and 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 um, not in need of editing. And that was just an example. devils yeah. you know, yeah. advocate. The real answer to this thing is, if
0: someone were to, to make that argument based on this particular theological principle, it's hold on to that. We have this other theological principle that when special and general revelation run together, it's special.
1: That's right. Yeah. And so and, and so that's 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 really, you know, bottom line thing we talked about in, in, in seminary, that that's how we that's how we do theology. Um, it, it's OK. We can take things from general revelation, like what helps me when my head's clogged up? You know, I can take some Sudafed. Um, that's general revelation stuff. No one's discovered that from the Bible. Uh, and that works and a lot of people have used used that a long time and as far as we know that's not causing alzheimer's hope not (laughs) i've taken a lot of Sudafed in my life um but uh uh, but if that's if, if the general revelation truth if scripture speaks to it or if there's stuff in scripture that's related to it we have to make sure that it still is okay um and that um either scriptures will cancel it out or Scripture will affirm it or we say, well, maybe. There's nothing specifically in Scripture that says that's not true. Um, so, and, and it doesn't uh, attack um, our doctrines of salvation and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father and all all those things. Okay, so... Um, that's always what we're doing with general revelation and special revelation. We're seeing uh, if what we've gotten from general revelation, what we've just learned in the world, contradicts with the Bible, if the Bible's speaking to it. And if it does, this is always our priority here because this is infallible. This is inerrant. God is able in his power and wisdom to get to his people what, he, what we need to know but are looking at general revelation <clears throat> and deciding, I think uh, um, if we create nuclear energy, the, the waste products will have no effect on us. Okay, that's a fallible hypothesis there because we're just looking at it right now and we need to do more experimentation, that kind of thing. And then we find out, oh, the byproducts of nuclear energy, we have to be really careful with that because they have bad effects on us. They poison us. Um, and so so we recognize that our own, when we're in general revelation and making conclusions, we're in the realm of man's fallibility and man's lack of knowledge trying to come up from here, come up to a knowledge of what's true. And with God, he's got all this truth that we don't even need to know. But whatever He needs, he needs us to know, whatever we need to know, he brings that down to us and communicates that in 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 words um so that we're not left so that we're not left guessing. That's a really important principle um for us as as believers to under, understand those those things. Yeah Randy I actually had to run out to call. can you recap all the whole <laughs> <laughs> uh, Randy okay um So let's go back to, um,
0: Um, as it pertains to like, for lack of me thinking of a better term right now, um, Mm -hmm. an argument Mm -hmm. that would fall into kind of the cone of certainty, um, category or
1: territory. Yeah. Yeah. If you apply the cone of certainty to that kind of idea, when you're dealing with general revelation, you're down lower on the cone. And when you're up with a special revelation, you know, in a different set of categories, you'd be higher on the cone as more, more certain. And so where scripture speaks certainly and clearly, that's really, you know, high on the cone. We're very, very certain about those things. Um, But even where general revelation speaks with great clarity, that is, um, uh, you know, pseudophetic. People have been taking that for a long time, and we're not, we're not seeing any side effects with that. Um, even that is in the middle of that cone compared to truths in Scripture that are absolutely clear, like Jesus is the Son of God, and uh, apart from Him, that nobody has eternal life. You know, that's the, that's what the apostles are dying for, literally dying for that truth. Um, so yeah, good. that's good. Okay. Uh, Jesus' second coming. So we were talking about things uh, that are a part of Jesus' second coming, and we had named two things that I told you to remember that we talked about last week, and I've forgotten them. So help me out. The resurrection of the dead. Now I'm just messing. <laughs> He's messing. He wasn't even here last week. Don't <laughs> trust. Don't trust him. <laughs> okay, it's it's the next it's the next big thing that's going on. And so when we're talking about God and time, we talk about events. Okay, and and not time because for the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. And, and John, um, in First John, First uh, John four, since the next event that needs to happen is the second coming, he just says we're in the last hour. Yeah, you know, it just it could come um, right right now, and so all the so in the New Testament we see all the New Testament writers um, believing and speaking. Um, to the people of the church um, as if Jesus could come in their day. And that's because Jesus told them, keep watch. It could be in your day. Uh, But Christians continue to live their lives keeping watch, knowing that Jesus could come in the next two seconds. Uh, And that's from the time uh, Jesus um, uh, ascended on high uh, to the time uh, well, probably not that soon because Pentecost hadn't happened. A uh, few more people needed to be saved than that. But, uh, you know, right, right from the beginning of the church until um, Jesus comes back, uh, Christians are instructed to keep watch uh, and to be doing what uh, the, the, their master has told them to do until, until he returns so that when Jesus returns, he finds us uh, doing um, his will. Okay, so it's the next great event. What else about the second? What what happens at the second coming? Final judgment. Final judgment. Bodily resurrection. Bodily resurrection. New heavens and new earth. New heavens and new earth. I'm not fishing, but all those are correct answers right now. Okay. Now, just, I yeah. just
0: thought of something. Does the lake of fire exist now, or is that? like simultaneous
1: with the new heavens
0: and the new earth
1: i don't know <laughs> um scripture doesn't you know and it's just um and that's you know i had a professor in, in seminary taught new testament um uh, charles hill and it, you know one of his great gifts to us was he was he was one of the most scholarly people there that we had his you know a phd was from cambridge and respected as a new testament scholar a scholar of the writings of john and of the text of the New Testament and which you know which texts that have been found in archaeology are good texts and various things and just a very kind uh, man um, uh, too but he always you know was very careful to not go f- farther than scripture and he would say here's how far we can get with scripture with what scripture tells us and then after this maybe here are some possibilities but we we can't be too sure on that or like one of my Old Testament professors would say to us, which you hear a lot, but don't start a new church on that. There are a lot of things that because, you know, if, because the Bible isn't clear, doesn't give an answer, we don't want to answer. And so that's one of the things. Does the lake of fire exist now um, and no one's in it? We would know no one's in it because in Revelation we find when Jesus comes again, um, who are the, the in Revelation... Okay, those of you who can remember back to that book or read it recently, who are the first uh, persons—that's big category—to get thrown in the, the lake of fire? Okay, um, sea beast and land beast, and then Satan. Just going in the as in the uh, Revelation as you go across there, in Revelation nineteen, you see sea beast and land beast are thrown into the lake of fire. And so that's, uh, as John defines it there, as I think is very um, uh, defensible and just fits everything, sea beasts being the governments, uh, land beast being those who promote government as the solution to all your problems. So don't be too political because regardless of which policy, you know, it's like, even if you're a Reaganite, you know, Reagan famously said of Jimmy Carter, my opponent here in a debate has never met a government program he doesn't like. You know the two. Uh, uh, what else he said? The scariest words I've ever heard are, "Hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you know, he said, "You know, government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem." Those were Reagan, fun Reagan quotes uh, um, uh, when he was going against Jimmy Carter in the 1980 election. But, but even even if you're a Reaganite. That's a view of government that says, boy, if just Reaganites can get in office, all our problems will be solved. And that's looking to the sea beast as well for your needs and safety and care. And and so, whether a pundit is Democrat or Republican, they are, if they're promoting those parties, they're land beasts. Okay? If they're promoting, This is the solution. If we can just have our people in there, then we'll be okay. Okay, and so that's what we see. So the land beast in Revelation is called... What else is he called? Almost. The false prophet. The land beast is the false prophet. He's the one declaring and making the people... Worship the sea beast in Revelation 13, the sea beast being the government. He's the one that's saying government is the solution to your problems, whether you're, you're um, uh, for you know, Adam Smith capitalism, John Locke democracy kind of stuff, um, or whether you're for communism. E- either one, if you're promoting those, is the solution for your being taken care of in the world, um, that's, um, then then you're looking at sea beasts and land beasts. So they're thrown in, in, in the lake of fire in, in chapter 19, and then in chapter 20, who's thrown in the lake of fire? Satan is. And then uh, the last uh, uh, last entity thrown into the lake of fire? Non-believers. Non-believers, Okay. Now, uh, and so as we go through 19, uh, that's just going through chapter 19 through chapter 20. That's the order of of, uh, being thrown into the lake of fire. That's just the order we see there. Um, It's possible that 19 and 20 are are, um, spread apart to show us, but that actually the the sea beast, the lamb beast, Satan, go in at the same time. Uh, But just as John writes Revelation, you can't say everything on top of you can't superimpose your sentences. <laughs> you gotta say one sentence before the next. And, but but whatever. But but it doesn't. We don't have any indication that anyone's in the lake of fire right now, or that even the lake of fire exists right now. Maybe the lake of fire. I mean, there'd be a good argument, right, for the lake of fire to be created at the same time the new heavens and new earth are created. Maybe slightly before because it's occurring during final judgment. Um, But good question there. And yeah, never be afraid to say when someone asks you, a non-believer, another Christian, well, what about this? Say, I don't know. I don't know if scripture really speaks to that. That's okay. And that's actually winsome for us with non-believers because non-believers don't like when we claim to know everything especially when we're claiming stand on this book as a believer. Don't stand out here (laughs) because because then when it's found out that, you know, what you're saying, this is the Bible and it's not, you know, then your credibility as you speak to Jesus and everything else in Scripture might fall in the person's eyes. Who's the non-believer you're talking to? Yes, Steve. What's the function of the new earth? Um, that's where we live. Yeah, for eternity. So then
0: what, why are we looking forward to heaven?
1: Uh, because uh, that's the place that uh, we're freed from our sin natures and get to be with God until Jesus returns.
0: At which
1: point we'll be admitted to the new earth? Yeah. So so uh, you and I died today, Steve, holding hands and seeing Jesus together, Right that's right and, and and our souls go to heaven our bodies stay here and decay in the grave and then when Jesus returns our bodies are raised united with our souls and the new heavens and new earth are created and we fill the earth
0: okay and isn't there talk that the earth will like burn up and then be recreated
1: that's right and that's the new heavens and new earth the recreation so then
0: let's go back to
1: cremation <laughs> yeah So, or will
0: we have been resurrected? The newer, so that's all burned up, and a new one is
1: correct. So, so Jesus, so Jesus returns, and this goes right in with what we're talking about here in this this lesson. Second coming, Jesus returns. um, uh, All all are resurrected, um, uh, the the evil and the good to appear before Jesus in his judgment seat, Um, and uh, from final judgment believers, uh, so uh, with that, second, second Peter 3 the earth is burnt up sign of, you know, what happens when you're cursed uh, sign of cleansing Okay, so the earth experiences the result of the curse, fire a judgment by fire um, and but it also purifies so, you know, the old westerns you know, where they, they put the match under the needle or the match under the scalpel you know, because it purifies the scalpel. Uh, and so that's what happens with, with the earth. But the earth is, is recreated. And it's a new heaven, new earth, a home of righteousness, Second you know, Peter 3 and, and um, uh, Revelation 21 and 22 there. And at that point, um, the things that uh, um, uh, Jesus says in, in the Beatitudes come fully true. The meek Christians who have been beat up in this age inherit the earth
0: and yeah. so we've always under the impression that we're going to spend eternity in heaven with God And we're not
1: we're not okay. yeah. See,
0: Jim in his Sunday school teaching a year or so ago mm-hmm. said this very same thing yeah. and my head almost exploded right. <laughs> yeah you're right I've <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jim has a sweater at home that has all his gook all over it and he just can't get himself to throw it away yeah.
0: well I had a friend that converted the Jehovah Witness and so yeah. he dropped every time he'd see me he'd give me a watchtower. Yeah. and it was talking about you know how we didn't understand that we would be living on the new earth and I'm like this can't be right
1: right and so, and so that's, that's one thing that's kind of a half-truth in and, and, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses. They have a more robust uh, view of, that's a popular word now, robust. <laughs> if you've seen the first season of uh, Veep, um, they make fun of that word. Um, it gets, someone uses it new, and it hasn't been used, and then it gets, they chart it, and it gets used like 45 times in that day in the news cycle by all the news stations And it hasn't, and then it gets used more on that first day than it's been used in the last ten years. (laughs) People just pick up. We need a more robust foreign policy, or we're going to have a robust response. But um, they have a more more robust view of the physicality of our eternity, and and so we, you know, God creates um, in Genesis one physical stuff. And he calls the physical stuff what good. good, and that's in contrast to Greek philosophy, which has called all the physical stuff bad, inherently, inextricably bad and evil. The spirit, the spirit is good, the the body is bad. That's Greek philosophy, and so John has to deal with that some in First John, um, and so you'll see that in, in, in there. But um, and you, you see it even a little bit in. in um, uh, the gospel of john where jesus is eating fish that's in the gospel of john and where jesus is having a uh, thomas verify that jesus resurrected body is physical put your finger in in my side and in my hands and and feel and see and know that you know this this is me and i'm physically resurrected and and Thomas becomes convinced of this and says, my Lord, my God. And that's a part of why John includes that is most likely because he's writing late in the century when Greek philosophy has started to creep into the church. Um, and, and there we go. So one of the things we see, Steve, is um, uh, Revelation 20, this, this chief uh, passage uh, that we can kind of link all the final judgment passages to, but a final judgment, is that um, the, the souls in hell are gathered from hell, and and linked to the, the resurrected bodies, the resurrection of the unjust. Um, John five twenty nine. Jesus said, you know that he will come, and, and all all will in all who are in their graves uh, will hear his voice and rise. Those who have done good um, to live, and, and those who have done evil um, to be condemned. So all all are physically resurrected when Jesus comes back, second coming, all, the evil and the good, physically resurrected, and the, uh, uh, but um, what we see back to Revelation 20 is that hell itself is thrown into the lake of fire because it's emptied. Hell is the holding place, Second Peter chapter 2, hell is the holding place for disobedient souls until the return of Jesus. Heaven, in, in parallel, is the holding place of believing souls, where we are with Jesus. Um, Revelation 6, 11, and 12, where you see the the souls of those who've died for Christ around the throne of Jesus. John sees these in his day. Um, That they're around the throne of Jesus, and and so Paul rejoices that he might die in Philippians 1, because then he's at home with the Lord. He'll be with Christ. Um, But that's not our final state. That's our intermediate state, our disembodied spiritual state where we're with the Lord in heaven, our souls are. But uh, one day Jesus will return, second coming, and establish the new heavens and new earth where he bodily uh, dwells, you know, and and as uh, Revelation 21 says, you know, he will be our God and will dwell with us. Um, No longer to dwell with us as um, the Spirit. Uh, you know, hovering above the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, dwelling with his people, um, or dwelling with his people by the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire in the wilderness, uh, but dwelling physically, bodily with us on the earth um, in the new heaven and new earth's capital city, which is the Jerusalem from above, has come down to be the new Jerusalem, Revelation 21. And so, so the
0: streets of gold on earth, yes are
1: they, in heaven? Oh, they are, yeah, so that's all revelation twenty one stuff and so twenty two I go
0: to prepare a place for you where's that place he's preparing? Is
1: that, that the new earth? that's hard that's hard to tell, and so that's that's one place where I, I get asked this question occasionally, and it's like, is that heaven or is that uh the new heavens and new earth, and different little parts of what he's saying there in in john uh 14, 1 through four there or Uh, sorry, John, um, yeah, 14, you know, one through uh, four there, um, different parts, you could argue both ways and have a good argument and everyone could go away and say, hmm, I don't know. (laughs) Is he preparing a place for our souls in heaven or is he preparing a place for us in the new heavens and new earth? And see right there, you know, I kind of lean toward heaven. Uh, Because if the new heavens and new earth don't exist today, which they don't because we're in the old earth right now and it's the same thing that's not burned up yet and purified, um, you know, how can he prepare that for us unless it's a separate planet, which... You know, it's like, no, the rest of the scripture says, no, it's the same thing. So uh, you've just caused me right now as I've talked this out to be more in favor of that view that the place he's preparing for us for now is in the intermediate state in heaven. Yeah. Wow. But the ultimate place for us. And, and just read, read the flow, you know, this afternoon, if you have some time, read the uh, Revelation 20 through 22 and, and see one final judgment. Hell is done away with and all the souls in hell. Are reunited with their bodies and then cast into the lake of fire Um, and that those who have their names read from the book of life um, go with him chapter 21 into the new heavens and new earth where there's no crying or blindness or pain and that's where you have you know streets of gold the river flowing out from the capital city and and uh, trees bearing fruit every month Um, so there's no longer um hunger or anything like that yeah and this is this is full circle of god creates everything in genesis 1 physical stuff and earth a perfect ecosystem and environment for mankind and calls it good and then we screw it up and only the second man the first man screws it up but the second man jesus Heals it all, and actually uh, exponentially makes it better too. Okay, so great question there, Um, and and tying into all this, all this stuff here that we have. Okay, Um, so here's some things. Uh, Second coming is the New Testament's uh, next big event, and what Christians long for. So that was our first answer there, and then uh, let's have. uh, Crystal, can you see this? Can you read that last bullet there? Personal
0: physical. Visible, sudden, glorious, and
1: triumphant. Okay, so these are things that are part of the second coming of Jesus. Um, glory, triumph. Um, it's sudden in the twinkling of an eye at the last at the last trumpet. Um, uh, it's visible. Um, remember what Jesus said about his, his second coming? in contrast to temple destruction, as Jesus is giving signs um, of, uh, of uh, temple destruction and these little things that could happen, you know, when these little things happen, you know, know that the time is near. If you're in Judea, get out of Judea because it's going to be terrible times for you. But then he kind of takes this little parenthesis. He says, but when I come, you'll know it. Everyone will know because all, all will see me. won't be a sign it will happen and they'll just see me um it's not like an indication that something's going to happen no it's happening right now uh like you know vultures you know when you see them you know something's already died so when you see jesus well you know the second (laughs) that's your sign it's here (laughs) um so it's visible um it's physical uh, it's, you know, so, uh, all are resurrected, all who are in their graves, uh, personal. Um, so each person, um, next, um, Brenda, can you read this next bullet for us? So here's one other little thing that we've talked about in the past that we haven't mentioned yet that happens at the second coming. You see it in here? Final battle. battle. Yes. Um, And so let's look at key passages. Can you think of any passages that um, deal with the second coming and, and things that happen? I want you to nail these folks 1st Corinthians, Corinthians 15 great passage get 1st Corinthians 15 is a hugely long chapter about the resurrection at the second coming okay uh, what else we're not going anywhere yet in Scripture but feel free to look there and just see it and, and print that in your mind um, you get get familiar with the map of scripture okay know where africa is know where australia is you know just get these markers in your mind and just have that be a goal of yours noah genesis 6 through 9 okay just just kind of know abraham genesis 12 i mean just work on those things um for your for your own soul's sake just knowing where stuff is so you don't feel like you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, with no coast, like one of my favorite, oddly favorite movies. I, um, what's that called, Mallory? Robert Redford. All is lost. Yeah, it's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You don't know, all movie where he is. And I usually hate movies where you feel like you're lost, but for some reason I like this movie a lot. Uh, he directed it. He starred in it. Uh, I think he says three words in the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't have to. Did you see that, Bob? Yeah. Did you like it? I did. I liked it too. Well, who him it my who Nobody. Okay, so here's the setup. This won't give anything away. It, it happens in the first 30 seconds of the movie. Robert Redford's on a yacht by himself. He wakes up. And, a you know, those big cargo boxes that go on the big, huge ships and harbors that make me scared for some reason. (laughs) One of those cargo boxes has fallen off a cargo ship and ran into his yacht in the middle of the night. And now his yacht is taking on water and he comes up to see what's happened and he sees he has this hole in the yacht. So the rest of the movie is him trying to survive and he's all out there by himself. So he has no one to talk to. That's why there's no dialogue. (laughs) <laughs> so um anyway you you want to feel just have your grips on kind of where stuff is in scripture so first corinthians 15 resurrection okay resurrection at the last day when jesus comes back any other passages to talk about the second coming that you can think of first thessalonians 4 in the front of five okay we've mentioned that a few times here and this is paul answering the question to the thessalonians their essential question is Jesus hasn't come yet and dead believers in our church or believers in our church have died. What's happened to them? And is the second coming coming? And when it happens, what what about these those who have died before he came? Will they be forgotten? And so Paul establishes there, no, they won't be forgotten. In fact, they'll be bodily resurrected first. They'll be the first to be bodily resurrected and meet Jesus in the air. And then we who are are alive at his coming notice first century understanding you can be alive in the first century when Jesus comes back and you will be bodily resurrected. You'll be uh, meet up with your glorified body and and meet Jesus in the air prior to as he gathers uh, people for final battle and final judgment. Okay. So those are two great passages. If you can only think of two those are two really good ones to think of for um, second coming, bodily resurrection. First Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. Other ones. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. okay? So he deals with that, and into 25, he answers that question about his second coming. okay? Good? For second Peter three. Second Peter, three. Good. Um, the the, the uh, Christians are being mocked for their belief in the second coming. And so uh, Peter says in 2 Peter 3, oh, yes, he is coming and let me turn it up a notch. Um, the earth will be laid bare uh, and, and burnt up and a new heavens and new earth will be created, which will be a home of righteousness. But um, to the Lord, a day is a, a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And so um, but it'll be just like the days of Noah where people are saying, ah, judgment's never coming. And then it starts raining. That's the sign. (laughs) Your head starts getting wet, and it's too late because the ark door is closed. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I was just going to say that how can you read these things and not be, I guess, reassured that this is specially revealed to these writers? Yeah. Like, it's not just something that's made up because there's such continuity. Like, yeah. Who would make
1: up these things? I don't know. That's just a yes. thing and I've been thinking about. And, and, and this, is, this is a great reason to have assurance of uh, the, the uh, inspired nature of Scripture. Um, they are communicating things that are like, who would ever think this up? Uh, new heavens and new earth, the home of righteousness. And also, how are all these various authors... From Jesus as author, as recorded in the Gospels, to Paul, to Peter, to John, how are they all agreeing on these things? And these things are working together when, and you think about it, they're not sitting in a a corporate ballroom creating these 27 books of the New Testament, They're creating these books at various times through the first century, from about AD 44 to AD 95. So you got about a 50-year period in which the, the New Testament is created. And they're writing these books from different locations. And they haven't been together for a long time because they're all evangelizing different parts of the world. And so they're writing from different parts of the world, and they're not in conference with each other, and they're not texting back and forth right? Checking back and forth with each other. And, and um, we're, we're not sure, we can't tell for sure how much of the New Testament different parts of the first century world had altogether, even after the books were written. So when the book of Hebrews is written, you know, like AD 68, 67, 66, somewhere in there, we don't know how long that took. You know, if, if, if that's being written to Rome, I, I think it is. We don't know how long it took for that book to get to Turkey and to Jerusalem and to uh, North Africa, where the church was as well. Um, Did it get there in one thirty or did it get there two years later? We're not sure. Uh, We're we're sure, at least by the time of the the, three sixty seven is is uh, when um, Athanasius Uh, writes his annual Easter letter and there have been heresies coming up and he says, let's just get this straight. These 27 books are the books that we've been dealing with all this time. And these other books that have come up recently, they're not the books. And I just want to write it down so that young people don't come up and say, well, I've always heard of this new book. And are like, yeah, it's because you're 12. And this book came around six years ago, but people who are 70 know that it's new and that it speaks different stuff than the other 27 books speak. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but, but reason to have confidence in, in the Bible is all these different authors at different times from different places are writing things that, are, that agree. So, great point. Yeah. Any other places you can think of? We've discussed some this morning, um, like with Steve's question uh, that deal with the second coming. Revelation 20 and yeah, Revelation 20 and 21. Um, where you have the uh, uh, final judgment chapter 20 and 21 is the beginning of the new, he- new heavens and new earth and that spills into 22 as well. okay so those are some good places. Um, so Matthew 25 um, let's just um, let's just uh, pop uh, in these places uh, just we, we don't have to go to Matthew 25. we've been there lots Let's go to acts 1 uh, 11. But you know, Matthew 25, you know, that's where Jesus is asked, you know, the primary question, when will these things happen? Because Jesus has just told them, um, not one stone of the temple will be left upon another. Yeah, Matt. Are we allowed to throw any Old Testament up there? Um, sure. Go ahead. Is it tricky or are we allowed to? Go ahead. Yeah.
0: Like Zephaniah,
1: um, the last section in chapter one. Okay. Zephaniah. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out a bunch of stuff in the Old Testament that speaks toward this final state of ours. Other places, Matt, that you have in mind? The uh, last two chapters of Ezekiel. Last two chapters of Ezekiel. Um, now, keep, keep in mind, too, and Bill and I had a good discussion on this a few weeks ago, that, that these are always written to uh, real people at that time about real possibilities for them, but they're exponentially fulfilled in Jesus in the final state. Okay, so so as Zephaniah writes and Ezekiel writes, Ezekiel writes of, of the return, Ezekiel's writing in exile. He's in exile. He's over in Babylon. And he's writing of when God's people return, and that God is offering to them a Davidic king again and a period of dominance of Israel over the whole Middle East. Um, would they just be faithful? Now, what do we know about the people when they come back from the exile? yeah they're not faithful so they don't realize these extended promises to them that uh, places like Zephaniah and Ezekiel uh, map out for them uh, but but certainly those things which are f- uh, promises that aren't fulfilled because there were conditional promises based on the condition of of covenant faithfulness righteousness um, which was not met um, but but that are promises that that uh, Jesus is covenantally faithful for us, and he earns us and gets for us, obtains for us in full measure the promises that were promised to Israel. You know, a Davidic king, Jesus, dominance over uh, as far as they could see so that they had no worries in the world. Um, this is accomplished in the new heavens and new earth because. The enemies of God's people are defeated and cast off into the lake of fire. Any others, Matt, that you're thinking of? Oh, um, um, no. End of Isaiah is good. That talks specifically of a new heavens and new earth, which Isaiah is speaking of, you know, the, the promised land for us when we return will be like the, the Noah getting out of the ark. A new heavens and new earth, and the land will again be fruitful, even though now it's abandoned and its fields are weeds because we haven't tended to the fields for a long time. yeah.
0: I was going to say, to tie in with what Matt said, it's in Acts 24, um, 14 and 15, it speaks of um, how uh, the God of our fathers believing everything laid down by the law and written by the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and unjust. Yeah. So that ties it in, that even... Old Testament people
1: believed that there would be a final resurrection. Yeah, so Old Testament believed there would be a final resurrection. This was a dispute between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Sadducees believed in no resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can remember that. Everyone hear that? The Sadducees were sad, you see, because they did not believe in a in a final resurrection. And so, and so, sometimes when uh, Paul, you know, Paul once. Recognizes that he's got Pharisees and Sadducees who have come against them, and so he brings up resurrection. Then they start arguing against each other, like in the Old Testament when the two uh, um, opposing armies that had come against Israel would start fighting again; they'd kill each other, and then God's people would come on the scene and say, "Oh, they're all dead." (laughs) That's what so Paul does that there, Uh, but but the the Pharisees rightly believed there that there would be a bodily resurrection. Um, from the dead Uh, and the Sadducees disagreed now the Sadducees were the Greek influenced Jews who gained power during the Greek era and were um, uh, 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 ceded they were the the political power during Jesus' day the Sadducees were because they had um, uh, put their arms around Greece when Greece dominated uh, Israel right before uh, Rome did um, but yeah, so Old Testament people properly believe in the Old Testament. Um, Laura and Randy had up on their whiteboard once in their house about physical resurrection from Job. Do you remember that, Laura? Do you remember roughly what that said? No. <laughs> I mean, Job, Job says, you know, I know one day my, I'm, my Redeemer lives, and one day I will see him like in my body, face to face yeah and I quoted it roughly yeah yeah um, uh, Daniel 12 the very end of Daniel he also communicates physical resurrection um, there that's his that's his looking forward um, and associated with the coming of the Son of man um, that he's seen in visions before but acts 1 11 um, let's see John can you read that for us sure. Okay, so what's the setting of this verse that we've just looked at? Jesus, just ascended. Jesus had just ascended. And how had he ascended? What did they see as Jesus ascended? Taken up, up into the air and into what? The clouds. The clouds. And so uh, the angel here says, why are you staying? So they're literally looking at Jesus bodily resurrecting, goes into the clouds, and then angels are standing by them. And, the you know, the um, they're looking intently up in the sky. Uh, two men dressed in white stood beside them. And then verse 11, what John read for us, that when Jesus returns, he'll return in the same manner that he uh, ascended. He'll descend in the way he ascended. He'll become in the clouds. To us. Yeah, Matt. I think I would respond to that dude and be like, because I've never seen anything quite like that before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Yes. did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: Did you hear? That? Um. Yeah. Did you hear that? Um. So, uh, um, let and let us let's, let's stop there. But those are some uh, different passages that you'll see there. Just in general that have in mind if you want to write them down somewhere in your bible you know that's a good places about second coming and things we can learn about the second coming there that's not exhaustive there you know you'll notice we left left off uh, second peter three um there um a lot of places we could we could talk about yeah matt no 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 i'm a distraction okay (laughs) all right well let's pray